welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So it's holiday time and we may be noticing that our routines have totally changed at home, that our children are doing different things as part of their way of entertaining themselves to how they might usually be. And so a common question I am asked from parents is, why can't I get my child off the iPad? So lots of their day may revolve around looking at images, videos, games, whatever it might be on their technology, on their iPad, on their tablet. However, trying to stop that, trying to reduce it, trying to remove it, trying to engage in other activities can then be really, really difficult. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the sensory aspects as to why that might be. So we know at the moment our routines are very different. We might be on our Easter holidays, but we are also at home isolating from COVID-19. This means that our routines have drastically changed. Our children's level of anxiety has changed because they might find it difficult to know what's happening each day. Are they going back to school? Are they staying at home? Are they going out to the park? Are they not going out to the park? Are they going to the shop? Are they not going to the shop? You know what I mean. So ways that our children may find it comforting to support themselves is through something familiar. So something that they can feel fully in control of. And technology, the way that it is now, tablets can be incredibly effective at that. And many of the children and young people that we support actually are very, very good at learning how to use technology. So let's think about the sensory aspects relating to tablets, iPads, Androids, whatever it might be, and why that person may find it really engaging to focus on that. So we've got the visual element. We've got lots of visual input. So if it's a game, if it's a song, if it's a video, whatever it might be, there will be some type of visual element relating to that activity. Now, when we see things on screens, when we see things in technology, the frames per second are a lot quicker than they are if we are playing a board game or if we're interacting with people around us. There's also the auditory element. So we're getting extra sound input or we may be a person who is watching or interacting with our tablet without the sound on. So they may be looking and focusing on that visual element and pattern and trying to regulate out the auditory input. Now, visual and auditory are probably the most obvious ones when we're thinking about technology. And so we do also need to remember if we're supporting someone that has an autism diagnosis, some people can find it difficult to channel more than one sensory input at a time. So if they're learning about something, if they're engaging with things that are new or highly exciting, rewarding, um, interesting 
they might find it difficult to focus on the visual at the same time as the auditory. So you may have people that turn off the sound and might have subtitles on or just looking at the pictures. Or you may have some people that one time they're playing their video, they've got the sound on, but actually they're nowhere near their iPad and they're not watching what is actually happening in the video or in the song or whatever it might be that they're, they're playing on their tablet. And you might think, how on earth, what are they getting out of this? Why can't I then remove the iPad, the tablet? Because actually they are getting that sensory input. And what's happening is their brain is taking in that auditory input and it's trying to then piece it together with all of the other information it's gathered relating to that program or that video. And so mono-channeling can be really, really um, a big thing when we're thinking about technology because it's so flexible and because we can do things in that way. So other than visual and auditory, another sensory aspect that we need to consider is the proprioceptive input, so the cause and effect. I push a button or I press part of the screen and something happens and that can be really rewarding not just in learning how my body works but also in me feeling in control. And I've spoken on lots of my podcasts about if we are supporting someone, if our child is hypersensitive to sensory input, so they're over-responsive, they might have a really low threshold, that means they need a tiny amount of sensory input before it's overwhelming, before it's too much. We know that that person feels so much better when there's an element of them being in control of what they're doing. So an iPad, tablet, technology is an easy item for me to then feel fully in control of what I'm doing. I can choose what I want to watch, I can stop it and start it when I want to, I can pause it on certain um, pictures, I can listen to tiny bits over and over again, whether it's the sound or whether it's the picture. And you might also notice that at other times throughout my day, I'm repeating parts of that story or I'm reenacting them. I'm physically moving my body in the way of something that I've seen on a video on um, the tablet that I've been watching and listening to. So we do need to think about that and that element of being in control can also support the levels of anxiety that we're experiencing right now. What is familiar for them? What is something that they enjoy? What is something that they feel fully in control of? And technology is something that can really support that. So as parents, as support workers, as caregivers, we have to be aware of the positives of having technology around for our young people, as well as the impact that we know it can have if there's more of a long-term use of it. So think about interaction, think about communication. Are they using that um, tablet because it gives more opportunities to interact? Can they repeat certain things because actually they want that response from someone who's in the room or a friend or their sibling to interact with them? That can be a really rewarding aspect for some people that find it very difficult to communicate otherwise. So what does this mean? If we're thinking about our sensory purposes, so sensory characteristics, why are they doing that? Are they seeking more sensory input or are they trying to avoid sensory input? 
So that element of being in control helps to support that person's need to regulate. So if we're thinking about auditory, I'm now in control of the sounds that I'm hearing. I'm choosing to listen to something that I really enjoy. Um, it might be that I play the same part of a song over and over again, but it might also be that I like the sound of that person's voice or I like the tone of their voice. You may notice that your child talks with a different accent to how you speak. And that can be because of the way that they've learned that communication and language from watching things, from listening to things. So auditory, it could be that they're seeking out more auditory input, they enjoy that music, so they're excited, they're dancing, they're singing, they're moving their bodies. But it can also be again, because actually it's helping them to regulate out all of the other sounds around them that can be really overwhelming. Visually, it's highly likely someone enjoys a tablet because they're seeking out extra visual input. And because of the pictures, because of the brightness of the screen, because of the way that things change so quickly, so those frames uh, visually, frames per second move really, really quickly compared to our everyday surroundings, that can mean that person gets in a lot of visual input in a very short space of time. And so the difficulty then can be when the iPad isn't there and isn't being used, you might find that they get bored quite easily or find it really difficult to engage with activities going on around them because they haven't got, they're not being provided with enough visual stimulation as they get from the tablet. So we have these frames per second moving, moving really quickly when I'm watching a film. That's what helps me to stay engaged. However, in my everyday life, if I'm sitting in a classroom or if I'm sitting at the dinner table, those frames per second aren't changing enough. So I need more stimulation, more sensory input, more visual input in my day-to-day -day life in order to stay focused, in order to stay tuned into what you're requiring for me to do. So if I'm sitting at the table, is there a way that you can use high contrasts? You can learn more about our senses and how they develop and how they function on some of our online training. But contrast, that's one of the first ways that we process visual input. So it's the thing that we're drawn to. Can you think about opposites? Can you think about UV colours? Can you think about neon colours? Would that help to engage your child? Could you have pictures on your tablecloth? Could you have drawings around that can then engage them visually as well? And the other sensory aspect was proprioceptive. So that physical joint and muscle input to provide me with that body awareness, that cause and effect of I've done something and something's happened. We can help our children and the people we're supporting to get more proprioceptive input in by physically doing activities. So it might be that you make dough and when you're squeezing that dough, that's when you're using your joints and your muscles that you might get from um, pressing on the iPad. It might be that you're sticking things down. Again, that pushing element is similar to what you might get from interacting with an iPad.
So you can see for the different sensory elements, there's different purposes. And so it's really important that we accurately recognise for the person we're supporting why it is that they might find it difficult to come off to stop interacting with their tablet. Now, another thing that we must consider is someone's level of understanding. Also, um, confidence in transitions and the anxiety of what might happen when something changes. So if you've given a five minute warning, for example, how confident is your child at understanding what five minutes means? Can you have a timer that maybe makes an alert sound or maybe a visual element to it? that your child can then watch and observe so they fully understand how long they've got left interacting with their tablet. It might be that they find it difficult to understand instruction so verbally, so can you have pictures to reinforce what you're saying? And it might also be that the way that you provide that instruction, that information, can provoke an anxiety-ridden response. And so thinking about how can we request, how can we try not to put demands onto people when we're asking them to do something. Now that might sound really, really difficult, but the easiest way for us to think about supporting it is by changing the way that we might give instructions. So rather than just saying, right, time's up, it's finished now, we can say, right, let's go get our shoes on. So you're not saying that something's finished or something's stopped. You're just diverting the focus onto a different activity. You're going to get your shoes on because maybe you're going to go and play in the garden or maybe you're going to walk to the shops. So that element of stopped, of no, of finished, those words can be really emotionally driven for many of the people we're supporting, but also the element of demand. So the element of putting a demand onto someone can be very difficult as well. So changing the way that we might um, do that can be really, really supportive. So supporting someone to then Reduce the amount of time that they are on their tablet. Try and structure your day. So how can we support people putting structured plans into place, having a timetable? Even if your child doesn't see it, a timetable for yourself. So maybe jot down some notes on your phone or in your calendar or on a piece, scrap piece of paper and just say, right, 20 minutes at the beginning of the day because that's your time to sort out the day you're going to tidy the kitchen or whatever it is that you need to do we know parents need to get on with their own jobs as well however it might also be that 20 minutes after lunchtime they will interact on and play on their iPad. Because if it's fully removed, you know that, again, that's another change for your child to have to adjust to. And they might display that then through other behaviours, other annoyances with the fact that actually they really enjoy interacting with a tablet because they're fully in control of it. And as soon as we fully remove that during a day, that can then be really annoying, really frustrating for your child. And so we'll recognise ways that they're responding to that in other characteristics. So we might notice frustration. We might notice behaviours where they're trying to communicate to us. Actually, they're not happy about the fact that they can't interact on their iPad as much as they'd like to.
Try and think about highly visually stimulating activities. So ways that you can still get in lots of visual input without the need for them to, to watch a screen. So um, sparkly things, high contrast things, um, torches, dark spaces with lighting, whatever it might be, experiment, play with things and try and offer new ways that they can get that visual input in where they feel fully in control and they're not relying on that technology. Mirrors can be really, really great because it's their own bodies that they're watching that's changing, that's interacting. Mirrors are really effective for also helping to support that communication development as well. So there's so many reasons why we might find it difficult to encourage someone to stop using an iPad or why we might notice um, children becoming overwhelmed when we're asking them to stop playing with something. However, there are ways that we can support them and it's about us being able to try and implement routines and strategies, but also accurately understanding for our child, why is it? Because it's going to be different from person to person. So for your child, is it the familiarity with an activity? If so, can you provide the same activity that they really enjoy every single day? So if they love going out into the garden and stomping in their wellies, can you do that every single day? So there's that element of something that they really enjoy happening every single day for them to look forward to. There's lots of different ways that we can support it. But first of all, it's really important that you try and recognise for the person you're supporting or for your child, what those sensory purposes are. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.